Welcome to the Tech and Medicine Beauty Cast by Lutronic. This episode is about a clinical review of our updated Quick Start Guide for Clarity 2, intended to provide helpful guidance for existing users so they can leverage these shared best practices that we have incorporated from our highly experienced Clarity 2 users globally. We are pleased to introduce two clinical experts very familiar with Clarity 2, Laura Reynolds and Janelle Lee. Janelle is a clinical trainer and consultant for Neutronic and also works as a med spa clinical director in Utah. She has over 10 years of experience and certifications with both laser hair removal and many other common aesthetic treatments using the full Clarity 2 capabilities for laser toning, vessels, and unwanted pigment. She has worked closely with Laura and her team to refine and simplify Clarity 2 parameter guidance based on global customer inputs and evolving best practices. Laura is a highly experienced registered nurse with 20 years of experience with lasers and many other aesthetic devices. She's currently Lutronic's Director of Clinical Education and Training. Laura has worked uh, clinically and on the education side of the industry, which uniquely qualifies her as an expert in the area of training guidance. She's excited to review the highlights of this improved Clarity 2 guidance and believes it can help facilitate safe and more effective results to improve patient satisfaction and practitioner satisfaction as well. We believe this updated guidance can positively impact treatment efficiency and enable easier understanding for new users too. So let's start the conversation. Laura, could you go ahead and just share some contacts between you and Janelle and, um, and go ahead and start the, the overview? Hi, Bill. How are you? Good, thanks. Hi, Janelle. Hey, Laura. It's good to be with you tonight. Welcome, everybody. We're here tonight to talk about Lutronic's wonderful Clarity 2. For those of you that don't own a Clarity 2, it is a long-pulsed Alexandrite and Indiag. So it carries two wavelengths within the device a uh, 755 Alexandrite, like I said, and a 1064 nanometer uh, Indiag. And we use it for hair reduction and veins and pigment removal and a few other fun things. But the uh, Clarity 2 is one of my favorite machines. I, like Bill said, I've been in the industry a very long time and I've used the majority of the devices out there that are similar to our Clarity 2. And there was one point in my career when I worked for another company where I thought, well, no one is ever going to beat this device for, especially for hair reduction. And then I was introduced to the Clarity and I kind of had to eat my words. It's not that the other device that I thought was better isn't great, but the Clarity 2 definitely outshines it for many reasons. And I, Janelle and I will go over a little bit of that tonight. Plus, um, we're going to talk about, you know, how we actually use the machine. So Janelle, do you want to talk a little bit about laser hair removal? Sure, I'd love to. Um, I have to say, I, I agree with you on, you know, starting out on a different device uh, years ago and, you know, having used that 1064 device and 755 device, actually the ones I used were separate. Um, having the Clarity 2 come into being was wonderful because now I had the ability to have both of those wavelengths at my fingertips, which was amazing. So, you know, it was that that aha moment of, you know, hey, I can, I don't have to switch machines or have two machines in the room. I can have the one. But um, 
Anyway, so talking about the wavelengths of the Clarity 2, we have our 755 nanometer uh, Alexandrite, which as many of us know, is kind of the prime wavelength for laser hair removal. Love this one because it gets right where it needs to be to get that melanin in the root of the hair and um, get rid of it, which is great. I love the ability to have the 1064 ND YAG with it as well, because that gives us the ability to treat the darker skin types. So we have our 755 for our Fitzpatrick one through three and our 1064 for our Fitzpatrick four through six. Yeah, and I just wanna remind everyone that um, it is very important to differentiate between the two, even though you can get the same outcome. And this chart is interesting. If you want to talk a little bit, Janelle, how do you determine somebody's skin type? You know, um, looking at the, uh, I'm just looking at the slide here that we're staring at um, and looking at the different skin types. You know, a lot of times we want to just look at someone's skin and say, okay, well, your skin's very pale. You should be this. Your skin's looks a little darker, you should be this, but we also need to make sure that we are taking into consideration what their actual ethnicity is, their background, because while someone may be as light-skinned as I am and have dark hair, you know, their ethnicity might be different, which then is going to put them in a different skin type category than what you normally would put them in. Um, you know, a lot of times when we talk about, you know, how do you tan, do you burn? Um, you know, if your skin burns very easily, you're, you know, more likely than not to be up in the skin type one or two. If your skin tans fairly easy, then you can be kind of that two plus three and four. Um, if your skin's um, mostly dark, then you're gonna be in that darker skin type. But again, you have to be careful of different ethnicities because sometimes you can be fooled by the color of the skin. Don't you think, Laura? Yeah, very much so. So it's not really so much, it's obvious at either spectrum pretty yes. much. Yeah. So, you know, red hair, obviously, or super blonde hair, blue eyed and very pale, that's gonna be a light skin type. But, and then if they're at the other spectrum and they're darker then obviously that, but it's the people in between that fool us. And that those are the most uh, critical that you ask, you know, where were your parents from? Where were your grandparents from? And do you burn or do you tan? You know, when you yeah. go, those, those, well, those are very critical. When we're educating our customers in the training setting, we always tell them err on the side of caution, right, Janelle, and yes. pick 1064. And then that way you won't have to worry because some, you know, many times the first time you see someone, uh, it could be for laser hair removal. So you don't understand their skin yet. You don't really know how their skin is going to react to heat. So it's important to always either err on the side of caution or lower your settings so that, so that you are, you know, safe. Agreed. So what do we look for in a clinical endpoint? You know, that's an, that's another interest. Very simple, to be honest with you. We look for what we call perifollicular edema or those little bumps, right? Yeah. And if we don't see any of that, then our settings are probably too low, right? 
And then we have intervals too, that we ask people to come back because hair grows in cycles. And that cycle is shorter starting with the face and gets longer as we leave the face. And so um, we spread those treatment uh, intervals out as we get further away from the heart and other areas so that the hair that was dormant or those telogen and catagen hairs, they've had time to grow a new vein underneath and, and come back up to the surface so that we can um, hopefully destroy the stem cells and the blood supply to the hair the next time that we see them. So we're only removing, you know, approximately maybe 20% each time, right, Janelle? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think a lot of people too, um, on that onset said, hey, this is permanent hair hair removal, which yes, it is. But then they also have to understand that there are the cycles of the hair. And, you know, you have hairs during the entire time you're coming in for your treatments that may never even come in that active growth stage. So there, there's a possibility that you don't get every single hair every time. Like, how do you feel like some of those things affect your clients or your, when they come in and they're saying, hey, I did six treatments and it's not all gone. Well, you know, one of the ways that I try to monitor that is when they come in, my first question is, how's the hair? You know, how is it growing back? Did you have to shave? You know, when, when intervals were closer together, people would come in and I say, and they'll say, I didn't have to shave one time. Well, what does that mean? That means they're back too soon, right? Yeah. So I think that's always a good question to ask your patient. Did you shave? And if so, how aggressive did you have to be? You know, did a lot of hair grow back or was it a small amount? And so it will help you to know, number one, if they did, if it, some did grow back, that's good. Um, but if not as much grew back, that's even better, right? Because so you want hair to grow back but you don't, you want them to be able to say, it looks like there's less. There's less. Agree. Right. Yeah. I like it when they come in and they say, yeah, I noticed there's a lot less. Mm -hmm. And if they come back and they say there was no change, what does that mean you have to do next time? Yep. Time to change up our settings. <laughs> Put it up, right? Yeah. Yep. Time to change the settings. Yeah. So... We don't always stay at the same setting every time. So at Lutronic, we're working on... Um, changing our guidance to make it a little bit simpler. And on the 755, I, I just want to mention that on our previous guide, the pulse, pulse width or the pulse duration um, gives you a choice of three, five, or 12, especially when you get up a little bit darker with the skin type. And we're going to leave it at three milliseconds on the new guide because way back when, when the 755 long pulse Alexandra was getting cleared and they did studies, they found that the thermal relaxation time of a hair with the 755 only uh, was three milliseconds, which means that in three milliseconds of delivery of the beam is the perfect amount of time to destroy our target or reach the stem cells, cells and the bulb of the hair to destroy the blood supply and cool down so that we don't burn the surrounding tissue. So that's what thermal relaxation time. 
that's the time the laser is on the skin to destroy the target, but not the skin around it. And because these devices, like we said, work on uh, the premise of photothermolysis, which means that it's looking for a color. And uh, so we're going to leave it at three milliseconds, which means that our our customers are going to have to be even a little bit more careful if they have someone that they're not sure about their skin type, then you don't want to use the 755 with the three millisecond. You're just want to go straight to the 1064. Agreed, because that, that three millisecond, I mean, I think you and I in our history of doing hair removal have found that that is actually the prime setting is at that three milliseconds. But you get someone who is a little bit darker, whose ethnicity, maybe they look like a three, but their ethnicity is a four. As soon as you put that three millisecond, that laser wants to find the color on the top of the skin as well. So you really are, you know, got to make sure that that you're checking their ethnicity when you're using that. Or if you're not sure, then you do the seven or the 1064 and um, do those settings to be safe. Correct. And then on the 1064, we are going to modify that a little bit also for everyone. We're going to leave in a three millisecond for finer hair. And we're going to um, give you a little bit more powerful of a range because the 1064 and the 755 are not apples to apples. So your settings with the 755 for the appropriate skin type the jewels are going to be lower than they will be for especially a skin type four um, uh, with the 1064. And then the fives and sixes, you won't go quite as high, but if you are using the correct pulse duration for the skin type, then we're gonna, we're gonna give you settings that will be a little bit higher and more efficacious so that you will get to uh, that hair reduction even sooner. Yeah, and I think, um, Laura, it's important to note, too, that say they aren't sure they start, you know, really, they go to a 1064 because they're not sure, and they just kind of not sure on the settings, so they go a little bit less on the settings. If you do a patch of an area, say, on a leg, and you don't see that perifollicular edema, you can always adjust the settings slightly and then do another section. That way, you know, when you're seeing them for the first time, hopefully you can at least get yourself to where you're finding and getting that perifollicular edema on that first one without doing a treatment that's completely ineffective. Yeah, I think that's very important, especially with the 1064, right? So yeah. um, a little patch test, wait a couple minutes and see, and then if there is no uh, perifollicular edema, turn it up for sure, right? Yeah. But I love the 1064. I get great results with it. So does Janelle. And uh, I have really no problem using it at all. Do you? No, that 1064, I feel like in my office, any of the any of my estheticians that you know pick up the laser and are doing hair removal, they they know they're safe in those in those parameters with the 1064. And we're also going to uh give you guidance on um, some veins and those aren't going to change a whole lot. We're going to add uh, a little bit of facial flushing on there and, and the telangiectasia settings for small veins because we used to we used to go up to like three millimeters and if you if you looked at a, a ruler that actually shows millimeters, three millimeters is really big. 
and probably too big for us to be really be treating um, on the leg because it's the absorption of the energy could be so uh, heavy that we cause rupturing of the vein or we cause, you know, a bruising or PIH and things like that. So we're going to shrink our vein size a little bit and give you guys, you know, better uh, settings. Then Janelle, yeah, I, I agree. I I always tell my girls um, or when I'm training and they always, you know, they find that big vein and they say, hey, can you get this vein for me? And I always say, you know, we need to stay within our scope of practice. Um, you start getting those bigger veins, those bulging veins, and we start getting out of our scope of practice. So we want to make sure that we are treating the correct size of veins, the spider veins. And, um, you know, this Clarity 2 is amazing at getting those spider veins. It's great. In fact, Laura, I know you and I, Originally, we always would treat our veins at a three millimeter spot size, and I switched over to that five, and I absolutely love that five millimeter spot size on a vein. How about you? Yeah, I do. I, it works well. It's just, you know, bigger, it goes a little deeper, but the problem with most veins, you can't really tell the depth. They're deeper than they look, right? And yeah. Many, many times I've treated a patient with the three millimeter and I thought, oh, I did a great job. And then she'll come back, you know, eight, 12 weeks later and she'll still have a fair amount. And then I'll use the five and they go away. Yep. That's, I, I found that same thing. Once I, once I started doing that five a little more often, I thought, wow, this is just a little bit, you know, a little bit better. And you, you the fluence stays low, you know, yep. I, I a lot of times I'll do, sometimes I'll do a 30 millisecond. A lot of times I'll do a 40 millisecond and I don't have to go above 120. Me either. I don't. I, with this one, all I have to do is change my pulse width and that's it. I'm really not putting more energy into it. Only, you know, maybe once or twice, but not very often. And you only shorten it for the teeny tiny little red ones, right? Yep. Yeah. Because when we are collapsing or sclerosing, I like to say, you know, when we're trying to seal a vein down so that it will have to go away, we want to, we don't want to boil the blood in the vein. We want to simmer it. So the longer your pulse duration, you know, the, the longer it takes to get the energy in there, the more simmer that you get. I don't know. There's other analogies. What do you use, Janelle? Um, for me, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I don't understand the boiling one. The boiling one just doesn't click with my brain. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure why, but you know, for me, it's, you know, how long do you need the heat to be there to get to where the target is? So, yeah. you know, I, I don't really have an analogy that I use just because my brain, I think, thinks a little more technically. And so my brain says, Hey, how much, how long do I need that heat there? to get the target that I'm after. And so that's how my brain thinks. But if I think of boiling, then I'm like. <laughs> right, but the re it simmers though. It's not really boiling, but the reality is that we're putting in a lot of energy. We're over a hundred joules, right? Yeah. So we put that in at three milliseconds, that, that vein would then blow up before our eyes, right? right. Yeah. Energy would be delivered in that teeny tiny short, Pulsation. So when we lengthen it to like 40 or even 50, it actually makes it safer. So that's another thing to keep in mind. If you're unsure and you're worried about the vein, then just lengthen your pulsation to be safer, you know, 
And, uh, but as you get better at distinguishing, you know, which veins will react a certain way, then, then, you know, you can get a little shorter, like Janelle and I do with, uh, with the five millimeter, but I think it works very good. And yeah, the thing about the three millimeter too, is we always had to push a little bit more fluence into it in order to get that response that we were looking for, where when you switch to that five, it, the focal length's a little bit deeper, which means now we don't, we can stay at that 120 and, mm -hmm. and get that vein. Yeah, so it, it, it works well. So let's talk about laser toning with this device and using our skin temperature sensor. That is a really cool feature because we know that if we run the 1064 over an area of the face, for example, and get it to a certain temperature, typically like 42 centigrade, then the skin that is deeper if the surface is measuring 42, then underneath, it's probably closer to in the 50s. And uh, and that's really, that's nice for remodeling and kind of stabilizing and maintaining, you know, the quality of the dermis. And so you can do that procedure uh, with our clarity. Do you, do you use that feature at all, Janelle? I, I do. I I love doing this in my office because we can um, build that collagen and put the heat into the skin, put an exact temperature where we want it instead of guessing as to the number of pulses that we're gonna put into one cosmetic unit. Um, now we know exactly when we're treating that cosmetic unit on the face, so say the cheek, now we can look at what the skin temperature is and it will actually sense and let us know that we're getting close to temperature and that we've hit the temperature. And in my office, we do half of the face. So we will treat half the face here, do that whole area, both the forehead, all the way down to the cheek at the chin and this area. And then before I start on the other side, I hand them a mirror. Once they look in the mirror, they will see an immediate plumping of the area on the side that we've, that we've done. And People love it because when you're done with the treatment, they look in the mirror and they think, okay, my face got hot. What did we do? But when you show them the mirror after you've done that half a face, they can see very clearly a difference in the nasolabial area, the cheeks, um, even the forehead, and then they can really see the difference. So then they're happy for you to finish the treatment and can't wait to do it again. Yes, and you know, we have varying degrees of heat that we can put into the skin. You know, we can create little wounds, we can we can ablate, we can use something like this, and it's more of like a bulk heating type of treatment, but it's still very good for the skin. And it's painless also, uh, it's fast. I, I love to do it because I get the skin to temperature and I play a little game and see, you know, how I can keep it there for how long can I keep it there before it just gets just a little bit too hot for the patient. And um, so, I thought I was the only one that did that. <laughs> you do that too? Yeah, I do that. Yes. But, but it's a good treatment and you're right. You know, if you do one side, they do see a difference and it's a very inexpensive uh, way to 
you know, perk up someone's skin and they can do them on a regular basis and as often as they would like to. And, and there isn't really any downtime, but they go home and their skin looks really nice. So it's nice to do that before an event too, or just on a regular basis to keep their skin in good shape. We call it toning because it's kind of like a little bit like exercise, right? It's one of the ways we keep the skin in shape. And, you know, I, I tell patients sometimes, you know, it's, if we don't do anything to our skin, it's like never going to the gym. You know, if you never go to the gym, then your muscle mass will slowly but surely decrease as you get older. If we don't put heat into the skin of some sort into the face, then, you know, it will atrophy also. And we will age according to our genetics and our environmental damage, but we won't be able to slow or correct the aging process if we don't put heat into the skin. So this is a easy way, cost-effective way, especially for your younger patients who want to do something to like, you know, slow the aging process. This is perfect. Um, Laura, another thing that I've kind of toyed around with at my office is doing this one kind of for older skin in prep for some of our more aggressive procedures. So someone who may be thinking of having, say, an RF microneedling with the genius and maybe their skin isn't doing so well, they haven't taken care of it. So do a few of these before you do one of those procedures and it actually, their body starts to produce that collagen ahead of time and it really does kind of prep their skin um, to have some of those more aggressive procedures. So smart, that's called preconditioning the skin, right? So yes. like stretching before you actually do the workout, right? Yes. So it's it's just a great idea to do that. It's, and then we can treat pigment with it too. So I personally love the 755. The long pulse alexandrite is great, great to remove lintigos, freckles, you know, sun damage. You can treat individually with it. You can treat large areas with it. And I use it a lot. Don't you, Janelle? I, I really do. For a long time in uh, my uh, office in Utah, before we had a lot of money and we could spend it on other things. We didn't have an IPL. So I really, like I, the clarity in this office was the first thing that we purchased because I knew I could make it sing and dance. And so this is what we used for a lot of our pigment because we did not have an IPL and found that it's very, very effective, works very, very good. It picks up a lot of pigment. Yeah, I personally, I like it better than an IPL because in many ways, I feel like it's safer, especially if I'm going to treat someone that's a little bit in between, maybe Hispanic or, uh, or you know, a little bit of a skin type four, but she has freckles because she's a mix of something. And so she actually has sun damage, but at the same time, she can tan. I'll just put the little three millimeter spot size on and with the clarity, you can really shorten the pulse duration to like a microsecond almost. And so you can do a 0.1. Yeah, you can do a 0.1. I I do like the 0.5 though. And, you know, it just breaks up that pigment and then you have that little tiny, and then we can spray a little bit of cryo on there so that we don't affect the skin around the little brown spot. And all we do is break up the brown spot and you can break it up very slowly or quickly. You you can choose and you can't go wrong with it. Yeah. So no, I, I agree with you there, Lara, because you're right. If you do have someone that's a little 
darker skin type but has the freckles, you can actually target that freckle versus putting the bar of an IPL on there, which is gonna make a big spot where this one, you can just pinpoint exactly what you need. Yeah, and you know, everybody, if you're familiar with IPL, it's just a filter. So it doesn't work exactly like a laser does. So it can absorb into a color, but sometimes it goes deeper, right? And scatters. scatters, and then you get that extra, you know, damage outside the area that you didn't want. So, yeah, yeah, this is this is really safe. And I've really played around a lot with this little spot size and going from point one to point three, point five, and it it's amazing how well it works. So, Laura, what do you like about the IntelliTrack? The speed. I like the speed. <laughs> Give me speed. Uh, you know, I've, I've been, I've done hair removal for how many years, you know, a very long time. And quite frankly, I was kind of done with it. You know, I didn't really, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't that, fun anymore. It wasn't fun anymore. I didn't want to say And that. you had to use that gel. That was, that yeah. was not fun. Yeah, that wasn't fun either. But this, this, I can do a mail back in, you know, 15 minutes at max. So. I love it. I think it's genius. I really do. What a great invention. I don't know who thought of it, but it's changed my feeling about hair reduction. And I think it, you know, everybody feels that way that use something else. And then when they get a hold of the rollers, they're like so happy. So, well, um, and the nice thing too, is as you roll along, you've got that cryo spray that cools yeah. the skin down as you go, which actually makes it more comfortable for the clients. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's all around. It's uh, an amazing invention. And I think it's changed, you know, hair reduction. I, I know, you know, there, there are, uh, it seems like there are a lot of hair removal med spas and offices out there, right, Janelle? It's a very, it is a very popular treatment, right? It, it is. There, there are definitely some uh, hair removal factories out there. There are. And so, you know, I've had doctors say to me, I don't really want to do it because they can go, you know, down the street and they can get it done. And what I say to them is, I understand that. But if you offer something this basic that everybody, you know, so many of your patients do or have done, they if they have to go somewhere else to do something that they want, they don't really want to go somewhere else. They want to do everything with you if you build that relationship with them, right? And yeah. and, and I feel bad. I would feel bad if I had to say, you know what? I can't treat that. We don't really, we don't offer hair removal, you know? And even if you charge a little more than what you call, I call the laser hair removal factories down the street, that that's all they do. But if you charge a little more and you have a quality device like the Clarity, they'll pay your prices, don't you think? They they do because they, um, you know, they're getting good results. I don't know what the hair removal factory down the street is using, but I do know because I have uh, interviewed some estheticians who worked at those places and their, their goal is to turn over the room and to do the hair removal as fast as they can. They have like three settings they choose from. It doesn't matter what your skin type is. You just go, you just go as fast as you can, get them in and get it out. So I think to have a quality device and a quality treatment in your office is definitely, you know, it, you, you can compete with them. Yeah, you can. 
you can definitely. So, and, and the clarity, um, works so well. I I've never, you know, we, like you said, we can't promise we're going to remove a hundred percent of someone's hair, but you can, you can get pretty close. Yeah, you can. Well, and even, even people that have say PCOS, like you may not get them to a hundred percent, but if you get them to 70% and they can stay there and maintain that, they're going to be happy with it. Yeah. Very happy for yeah. sure. Okay. We already covered laser toning, right? So we don't really need to talk about that again, unless you think you you have any other comments to make about it. Um, I think just we're we're watching a video, and you know when when people are saying, okay, how do I heat up an area? So when I was talking about maybe heating up a cosmetic unit, which would be say the cheek, um, this video kind of shows that you know I've, you're going to go over that cheek area. And you're going to keep going over that cheek area until you reach that skin temperature. So really, that's kind of the only thing I can see that, you know, that people need to understand. You're going to be, you don't want to hold that handpiece up too high. You want to keep that handpiece down low so you keep that uh, spot focused where it needs to be. And so the heat goes where it needs to be versus, you know, up way too high or, or down. You don't, you're not dragging on the skin either. You're just floating. Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> so you're always going to know you're giving an efficacious treatment because you have the temperature sensor there right there at your fingertips, right? Correct. That's, that's pretty awesome. So Bill, do you have any questions for us? Sure thing. Some sites might be a little bit concerned, especially for some of the lighter skin type patients, that when you drop down to the three millisecond setting, it might be a little bit spicy. Uh, for some of those patients who might have been having a, you know, a longer pulse width prior to that. And so would you have some guidance or suggestions as to how to, how to position that in case we have some sites that might have been using five milliseconds more often, and we're kind of encouraging them to pick an appropriate fluence with the three. How would you kind of, uh, if you were, you know, training a site <laughs> that next week, how would you sort of position that? If you can be the most efficacious the first time, and then the most efficacious the second time and the third time by three treatments using the proper settings with the 755 at three milliseconds, you will see a big, big difference in hair reduction. Right, Janelle? Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. That three milliseconds makes a huge difference. And, you know, if we're doing an underarm, let's say, it's a small area, you know, it's what, maybe 25 pulses. It's not, if you stay where the hair grows and don't go outside the underarm and you stay right there, it's not very many pulses. And if it stings a little bit, it's it's not, it's a minute, if that, right? Janelle, it's so fast. Um, the only time maybe it might be a little bit spicy is like on the lower legs where when you're going over the bone, that might be a little bit, um, uncomfortable, but uh, you can cool the area if you want to, or you can go slower, you can go faster, you can use talk therapy with your patients to distract them so that they, you know, have to talk to you instead of feel the pain. There's all kinds of ways to minimize it, but 
personally, I haven't ever had anyone say that it's too painful for them to tolerate. What, what do you think, Janelle? Um, I, I know in uh, my experience, um, anytime that the laser actually hits the chromophore and it absorbs, you actually feel the little, you feel that, you actually feel it. So if you roll the laser over my blonde hair, it is, you turn it up and it is not going to be painful for me because it is not getting that photothermolysis. It's not, it's not doing it. So, you know, when you talk about spicy, to me, that just tells me, hey, I'm hitting my target. I'm getting what I need right here. You know, as long as my energies aren't out the roof and that's why it's hot. Um, if it's, you know, if I'm within my my parameters and, you know, they're feeling something, I just let them know, hey, it's working. This means it's working. And I think, you know, having that cryo with it, it does help. So yeah, it might be a little spicy, but at the same time, you've still got that cryo, you still, you know, you're still doing that treatment. But to me, I know, okay, I am getting that photothermolysis that I'm going after. Mm -hmm. Terrific. That was really helpful. Uh, thank you for those uh, responses. I, I know one other thing that uh, part of in refining and simplifying the guidance, uh, I note that we we pay a lot of attention to the 15, 18, and 22 millimeter spots. The 24 is referenced, you know, for large areas, maybe like legs and back. But uh, in case we have customers that like the 16 or the 20, and they're kind of wondering, well, what fluence, you know, what guidance do I follow can you just kind of explain or describe the rationale as to why we tried to simplify the spots you might use, you know, for larger or maybe smaller or medium areas? Like how, how, do, how do the customers approach that? Well, the spot size, what happens when you get, use a larger spot size is the light can go a little bit deeper. So, where skin is thicker, like the back or the abdomen or the thighs, a larger spot size works well because, you know, the hair bulb is deeper than it is, you know, under the underarm or on the face. So using those larger spot size is great. You know, I grew up in the industry not having anything larger than 18 millimeters. So I have a tendency to stay somewhere around there to 20, unless I'm doing like a male back, you know, and then I'll use the larger spot sizes. So the larger the spot size, we you don't necessarily have to go to maximum fluence because you have a bigger area of energy hitting the skin. So we lower the fluids to protect the skin. And, but if that's not working, then you're going to want to uh, go to the next size or a smaller spot size so you can up your energy. So honestly, it's, it's the big spot sizes are great for big areas and to be able to go deeper where the skin is thicker. But, you know, on average, 18 to 20 millimeters for just about everywhere on the body works also, you know, uh, so it's kind of, it becomes preference, I think, over time. What, what do you think, Janelle? Uh, I couldn't have said it better, Laura. I think you explained it exactly, exactly right. Um, the only time really that I would go to a smaller spot size is on the face. You know, if I'm going to use a 12 or a 15, I may not be able to 
Like I'm not going to be able to fit a bigger spot size in this little small area on some people. Um, but again, the the follicles aren't as deep there either. So it's okay to use that. So as long as you know, okay, I look at this guide and it says 22 millimeter spot size, but I need to go down to a 15 or I need to go to a 16, then you just know that, okay, if I go down on my spot size, I need to put just a little bit more fluence in it. Not a lot, but just a little bit more to get the same effect that you would get with that larger spot size. Really helpful. And obviously you guys are the experts. Uh, another question that relates, uh, just as Laura, you and Janelle just referenced, uh, especially for uh, the smaller or the finer facial hairs, maybe you could just walk through uh, what might be a best practice. The fact that the Clarity 2 has the capability of using the one millisecond for those extra fine hairs uh, maybe you just describe a, a strategy, let's say for a maybe a, an example of a skin type two patient. Would you start off at three milliseconds and then work down to the one millisecond, depending on you know what you're seeing on, on that particular patient? How would you approach that for going after fine and extra fine hairs on a skin type two? I usually try three milliseconds first. What do you do, Janelle? Same. I, I, I would start with the three. Um, especially with that skin type, start with the three because I know it's going to be fairly effective, and you're going to get you're going to get those uh, more coarse hairs first anyway. Mm. And then as then as you go along and you've you've got the coarse hairs, then they start getting more fine, and that's when you switch to that one millisecond. Is that how you do it too, Laura? I do, I do. And the other the other trick, which I think some people because it's not easy, is you know we have a tendency, especially if they have finer hair to not shave it and, or not shave it well. And that makes it even more difficult because the laser doesn't know what it's doing. It's only going to absorb into what it sees or what the color, right? Mm -hmm. The chromophore. So if we have this little tiny skinny chromophore and it's too far above the surface of the skin, it's never gonna make it down to the follicle never so we have shaving the face is critical i think i mean shaving everywhere is but if you're going after fine hair you really have to make sure that that peach fuzz is off the face and and, and the one millisecond works i've used it many many times i think it's at first i was a little afraid thinking oh no i don't know if i can do that it's so short you know but if they're fine and they still have color uh it works very well yeah, and you don't need your energies up too high either. I think that's where we start to go, oh, uh-oh, it's a one millisecond, which I love the one millisecond, but yeah, the fluence is not high. It sounded from your conversation earlier that laser toning is uh, you know, a relatively straightforward thing that's not so complex, uh, like maybe treating a vessel or you know, going after discrete pigment. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Is that kind of a common entry point for people that want to get beyond hair? and want to get into something like laser toning? Sure, I, I yes, I like the way Janelle put it, you know, to precondition the skin and also, you know, I like it to preserve and maintain their current status, what their skin looks like if they're younger. So it, it's an intro into lasers on the face. There's a lot of different reasons to use it and, uh, and, uh, patients like it. It feels good. It doesn't hurt. And uh, it's a very nice treatment. So 
we we do we teach it and um quite a few places package it and use it as far as I know, right, Janelle? Yeah, I think a lot of people do, but you know, you can do that toning setting in both the 1064 and the 755. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, you don't have to just do the 1064. You can, if you switch it over to that 755, you can start doing kind of some global browns a little bit in the areas that you're working on, which is nice. Uh, everyone likes to pick up some browns while they're toning. Yeah, you can do both. Great point. And then maybe one last one. I don't know that we have an actual question on this, but I know that you'll both want to uh, reiterate the importance of, you know, the, the most basic cleaning and maintenance message for things like the windows. You can take this one, Janelle. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to be telling on myself. <laughs> I, I know a lot of times when we're in training, that's one of the first things I go over because you you turn on the device, it takes a minute to kind of cool itself down and start up and everything. So during that time, I always talk about, okay, here's some of the features here that you need to know about. There's a filter on the bottom. There's a little tiny filter right there on the handle. And then there's these uh, sapphire windows that go in the laser. And these need to be changed out every 400 to 500 pulses. And we go over that. And a lot of times you just get going and you're having so much fun with that IntelliTrack and you're rolling it and you realize, well, gosh, I've done a thousand pulses and I didn't change that window. But I think it's, you know, important that we try and remember, you know, there, there are those three extra windows in the, on the system right there next to uh, the display that you can just quickly swap it out. I mean, that's what it's there for so that you can do it you know, quickly on the fly, but it's a matter of, you know, hey, I'm, especially with that hair removal, you do have plume that comes up. It does get on the window. It does get dirty. So you want to make sure that you are, you know, you always want to have the most effective treatment ever. And if you're working with a dirty window, it's not going to be as effective. That's for sure. No, it's not. So you can change them out during the treatment and clean them after, or if it's a shorter treatment, I, what I like to tell practitioners is make sure when you go into the room to do laser hair removal, look at the lens before you start. Because if you have other people in the practice that use the device, they may not have cleaned it for whatever reason. And then if you didn't check it, then you're going to perform your treatment with a dirty window and you don't want to do that. And it's not yeah, it actually doesn't fire correctly through it. And it'll damage the laser or the handpiece eventually if it, if you keep firing through dirty windows. So it it is imperative to keep it clean. Fantastic, and and maybe just one other final message, uh, uh, Laura or Janelle. I'm sure these are it's second nature for the two of you, especially in our trainers. But uh, when it comes down to laser safety goggles, and maybe a small comment on the most common contraindications that sometimes uh, I think some users maybe forget about, oh, that's right. I, I shouldn't be treating this particular patient maybe with freshly tanned skin as an example, but maybe you could just comment on uh, the safety factor and maybe just contraindications just to, just as a reminder to all of our users. Well, we can play tennis. I'll name one and you name one. Okay, Janelle. So <laughs> no tan skin, right? That's right. You, you definitely don't want it to be tanned. You definitely don't want to be treating over any skin cancers, for sure. Cancers. 
long hair or they have to be shaved, right? Yep. Uh, you don't want them to be pregnant or nursing. Oh, that's a good one. I like that, right? And you don't want them to have any kind of condition that is going to cause problems with any healing. Agreed. Wow. Um, I think another one too, it's not really a contraindication, but something to remember is if you're treating an area with doing hair removal and there's a tattoo in that area, you oh. need to make sure that you are steering clear of that tattoo. It's, it's a long pulse laser. It kind of overshoots that target and you end up with a blister almost every time. It'll find it. Believe me, it'll find it. So just make sure that you're completely covering your, you're staying away from that tattoo so that you don't cause any issues. Great point, both Janelle and Laura. Maybe just one other one that we could, uh, uh, again, I think it just comes up often, the rationale about not wanting to treat freshly tanned skin. Well, Laura, uh, Bill and I, Bill and I did have a chat and I said to Bill, you know what a tan is, right? A tan is injured skin. The body has been injured. It's doing its best to heal itself. It produces the melanocytes. It's trying to heal. It's trying to protect. That's what a tan is. It is damaged skin. So when they come in and they're freshly tanned, the body is in the healing process. It is actively trying to heal itself. So, you know, coming in just after having been outside and getting tan is, is not a great idea. Not at all. Not at all. Because the skin is an organ, just like, you know, our largest organ. And if it's healing from something and you ask it to tolerate or function with something else on top of that injury, then the skin's going to get very angry and it's not really capable of handling all of that. So it's too much for it. And it's like overworking someone's heart that's weak. It's just like the skin is very specific in, in its process for healing and, and uh, functioning. And we don't, we don't want to put too much on it at one time. And when we do, we pay the price for it. Yeah, I think, I think best practice there is if they're, you know, freshly tanned. So, you know, people are saying, well, I can do any skin type, but a fresh tan is a, an injury to the skin. So, I mean, it's, you just have to tell them, well, let's reschedule your appointment and have you come back in a, yeah, in a couple we, weeks. If we decide to treat them and turn it down, then they're not going to get good results anyway. So right. it's better just to wait. Right. No, great point. Well, th th this has been terrific. And uh, I may have to... Uh, uh, I'll sort of wrap it up here, but thank you both uh, for participating in this uh, podcast. Janelle and Laura, thank you very much for coming prepared to uh, review this, uh, share kind of this, I think this very refined approach. And I love the fact that you two are probably are some of our most experienced trainers and educators and just so familiar with uh, this particular laser. Uh, and all these applications, uh, you're the right ones to help uh, guide people on this refined uh, quick start guide. So I know our customers will be excited. Um, and again, uh, really appreciate your time. We'll make sure that this gets uh, uploaded shortly, but uh, I'll close it off here.